the only survivor of a shipwreck washed up on a small, uninhabited island after several hours of swimming. He prayed feverishly for God to rescue him, and every day he scanned the horizon for help, but none seemed forthcoming. Exhausted, he eventually managed to build a little hut out of driftwood to protect him from the elements and to store his few possessions. He made a waterproof roof, and he worked hard to make things as comfortable as possible. Each available hour he had, he spent watching the horizon, praying hard for a ship to approach. Much of the rest of his time was spent traveling around the island in search of food. Then one day, after scavenging for food, he arrived home to find his little hut in flames. The smoke rolling up to the sky. The worst had happened. Everything was lost. He was stung with grief and anger as the little shack burned to the ground in the dark night and cried out, God, how could you do this to me? Everything the man had worked so hard to achieve was gone. In one night, it was gone. The man went to sleep, crying, angry, uncertain about his future. In the morning, early in the morning, the man heard some strange sounds that woke him and when he looked out, he saw a ship anchored in the bay, and several men had come to the shore in lifeboats. They carried the stranded man to the ship. The captain of the ship said, That was a brilliant action. We saw your smoke signal and then the fire and knew someone was marooned on this island. And we docked here during the darkness and waited until morning, for morning to come to come and find whoever sent up the rescue message. Life's a funny thing. Life can throw us for a lot of loops and curves. I talk a lot about, we talk a lot about the idea of life being a journey, and especially the idea that it's one step followed by another, followed by another, followed by another. And unfortunately, sometimes those steps we take run us right smack dab into a wall. Have you ever run into a wall? Not a literal wall, a, a metaphorical wall, a wall of life where you just walked up and smacked right into it. I imagine that's how this man in this story felt coming back from his day of gathering to find everything gone. What little bit he had, what little hope he held on to, was burning up. And he had no more hope. And he sat and cried, God, how could you do this to me? Have you ever felt that way when you've smacked into a wall? Have you ever felt like, God, really? Really, God? Because I needed this right now. You know, it's okay to say that kind of thing to God. There's a whole uh, group of psalms that are all about laments, where basically the people say, Really, God? Really? So as we go through life, 
sometimes we're going to find ourselves in that situation where everything that we had planned, that perfect life plan that we had laid out, falls through. The goals we're reaching for are no longer achievable. There will be times when we literally lose everything. Times when you find yourself looking around and you say, God, what is it you expect me to do with this? What do I do now? I mean, look where I am. Look at this, God. What do I do now? Well, if you've ever felt that feeling, or if you haven't, I'm sure at some point you're going to feel something like that. Uh, you won't be unlike Ezekiel in our text today. Ezekiel, one of the great prophets of the Jewish people, got a whole book in the Bible named after him, of his many ways of uh, talking to the people, calling the people to uh, right way, calling them back to the ways of God. Ezekiel was not really alive in the best of times for the Jewish people. In fact, it was the worst of times for them. At that point in, in their history, they had been conquered by Nebuchadnezzar, who had pretty much conquered after the Assyrian Empire began to wane in their influence. And so they found themselves a conquered people again. And initially, they got to keep their land. The Nebuchadnezzar uh, put in a king who was in the royal bloodline, so it was all right. Except this guy said, you know what, Nebuchadnezzar, after a few years, we're not paying you anymore. We can't afford it. Do, do you see us? We're this tiny nation. You're Babylon. We can't afford this. And so when he did that, Nebuchadnezzar decided, well, okay, that's fine. I'll just lay siege to Jerusalem. And he did, and he killed the royal family and the city and even the temple. And just so you understand the significance of that, it was one thing to destroy the city, to kill the king, but to destroy the temple, there was nothing worse you could do for the Jewish people. The temple was not just the place of worship like this. The temple was the center of Jewish life. This was the place where Jewish people were expected to make pilgrimage to. It's why later on in the Bible we hear of Jesus going with his parents to the temple in Jerusalem when he gets lost. It's why uh, in the story we'll hear next week, the city is packed on Palm Sunday as the procession comes through and they lay the palms on the ground and lay their cloaks on the ground. The city is packed for Passover because Jerusalem is the center of their religious life. It's the center of their faith. And not just that, it's because Jerusalem contains the temple. And the temple isn't just a place for worship. The temple is the holy, has the, this place called the Holy of Holies. And inside the Holy of Holies is the dwelling place of God. And not just like when we talk about, you know, God is here with us and God's out there and God is everywhere. For the Jewish people in that time, in that place, 
the Holy of Holies was literally the dwelling place of God. So to come in and destroy the temple was to literally destroy the house of God. There was nothing worse that could be done. The people had also been already scattered before this siege. Actually, Ezekiel was writing many of his things from his uh, dwelling in the exile because he was no longer in Jerusalem. And so they found themselves a conquered people with a destroyed temple, with a destroyed city. In fact, uh, to give you a, a, some context of how they felt, uh, Psalm 137, which is one of those lament psalms, says, God, remember those Edomites, referring to the Babylonians, and remember the ruin of Jerusalem. That day they yelled, wreck it, smash it to bits. That's their memory of what the destruction of, Babel, or of Jerusalem was. And so there they are. They find themselves a people with their leaders sent away, the political center destroyed, the religious center destroyed. And there really wasn't a lower time for them as a people in the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament. And then God whisks Ezekiel away to this desert place in this vision that he has. So not only is he living in exile, not only is he a part of a conquered people with a destroyed temple, a faith that has no center at that time, at least not that physical center the way they had had it, he gets whisked away to the desert. <laughs> And what does he see there in the desert? A pile of dry bones. When I picture this in, in my head, I see bleached white bones poking out from the desert sand. In like one of those scenes from a movie where you see the person like climbing over dune after dune and no water anywhere, no civilization in anywhere. You just see nothingness. Janet Craswell, this uh, deacon over at Metropolitan this morning, reminded us that the desert is the place where you don't go unless you have to. And Ezekiel is sent into this place and placed before these dry bones. Ezekiel, the faithful prophet of God, quirky one, but faithful, is placed in front of these dry bones, and God says, Ezekiel, prophesy to these bones, and they will come back to life. I kind of imagine Ezekiel standing there and going, really God? Really? You want me to make these bones in the middle of the desert come back to life? I don't even know how long these have been here. I don't even know who these people are. You've already taken so much from us. Haven't we been punished enough? Really, God? 
How long, God? How long? The Jewish people, Ezekiel, had hit a brick wall in their history. This brick wall that seemed immovable. There was no way for them to overcome the power of Babylon. No way to overcome the power of Nebuchadnezzar and his court. There was nothing they could do except live in it. Now Ezekiel, also being a prophet, was calling the people to remain faithful, to not forget Jerusalem, to not forget where they came from, to not forget God. But then he gets whisked away to this desert and told to make bones live. I kind of feel like Ezekiel stands in front of him and goes, well, what's the worst that could happen? Nothing? Oh no, things aren't really great right now. And so Ezekiel prophesies to the bones and they come to life. Well, they come back together first and then God looks and says they're not breathing. They need something more and offers them the breath of life. He tells Ezekiel to do this, however. He says, instruct the breath of life to go into them and they might live. And he does. And they live. This is a really interesting story, a really interesting vision that Ezekiel has. Ezekiel, who spent a lot of time telling the Jewish people how much they were on the wrong path and how much they needed to come back to God. This vision in a strange way, is one of hope. Because what the bones represent is the lost people. His lost people. People who died in the siege. People who had been separated. People who had been spread apart and no longer were a people. And God said, I'm going to bring you back together. I'm going to put you back together and make you whole again. And when you've been put back together, we're going to breathe the breath of life into you and you will live again. Don't give up hope. Don't give up. There is more to come. Sometimes when we hit that brick wall, we get to that moment of like, God, what else could go wrong? What else could happen now? It's easy to lose hope. It's easy to look around and say, I don't know how to take the next step. And God is saying, look to me. I am the giver of hope and the giver of life. Gilda Radner, who was on Saturday Night Live uh, and died at a young age of cancer, wrote, I wanted a perfect ending. Now I've learned the hard way that some poems don't rhyme and some stories don't have a clear beginning, middle, and end. Life is about not knowing 
having to change, taking the moment and making the best of it without knowing what's going to happen next. Delicious ambiguity. The one catch to God's hope is that God doesn't promise it's going to be a quick fix. At the end of Ezekiel's vision, they were not suddenly a people again. Babylon was not gone. The brick wall had not been torn down. But Ezekiel was given hope. And it wasn't just hope for Ezekiel, but he, as the prophet of God, was told to go and tell the people, have hope. Stay faithful. God is still with you. God is going to bring us back together. And throughout everything, no matter what happens, God is walking with us. It's not easy. It's not an easy thing to do. It's not an easy thing to do to look at a valley of dry bones and speak life into it. But that's what Ezekiel was called to do. And what that looks like for each of us when we hit that brick wall, when we hit that moment of, I don't know, I can't, I can't go on. It's going to look different for each one of us. But God is calling each one of us to preach the breath of life into that. To not give up hope. To hold on. To say, this wall is here. And now I'm going to walk a different direction. That sounds easy, right? Just to change directions. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's the hardest thing that you can ever do. Changing the course of your life, changing the direction you've planned on, changing what you were going to do, changing what was going to happen, changing the things you had dreamed about and hoped about. But the good news is that God is with us in all of that. God remains with us in all of that. And God is promising to offer us hope through it all, to walk with us into whatever is next. Because there's going to be good times and probably more not-so-good times. That's the nature of life, taking its curves and twists and turns. There's going to be brick walls. But when we hit the wall, when we look up and say, God, where do I go from here? I've lost everything. God is offering us a new way. A reset, if you will. And that is, after all, what we've been kind of working towards this whole Lenten season, this holy reset that is Easter, that is redemption in Christ, that is the forgiveness of sins, that is the chance to start new, to say that the past doesn't have to define me any longer, and to say that God is with me and that I am loved by God. Brick walls aren't easy. But when you hit them, know this. God is standing right there next to you, reaching out a hand to help you stand right back up. Amen.